Hey, Dan. What up, guy? You're into this fintech. What's all this I'm hearing about Current? You're going to like this guy. Current is a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. Wait a second. Does that mean I don't have to drive to the bank anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I manage an important part of my family's finances from one easy-to-use app. Well, I got to get this app, but where can I learn more? It's super easy. Just go to Current.com slash OK, O-K-A-Y, and download the app. That's Current.com slash OK. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. Welcome to OK Computer. I'm Dan Nathan. It is January 2nd. I am joined by Deirdre Brosa. She is the host of CNBC's Tech Check. Debo, Happy New Year. A happy New Year. Another year of OK Computer. Can't wait. I know, right? This is our third year of OK Computer. It is the fourth year of Risk Reversal Media. Guy, Danny, and myself started the On The Tape podcast back in January of 2021. It feels like ages ago. You were a guest on that podcast back then before we even had OK Computer. Debo, I mean, so much has happened if you think about it since then. In 2021, we were still like, felt like we were work from home. It looked like all those tech trends that had been accelerated, whether it was e-commerce, commerce, whether it was all this sort of like work from home, school from home, everything from home was going on. Then Web3, we haven't talked about Web3 in ages. That was like a big thing. And actually, it's funny. I just read Fred Wilson's AVC blog over there at Union Square Ventures. And he was talking about this year, one of the things he expects is AI and Web3 to be different sides of the same coin and, and pushing kind of mass adoption of some Web3 trends. So I thought that was interesting. So we're going to see those two trends converge a little bit. I think there's plenty to talk about in private markets. I was reading Dan Premack this morning over there at Axios talking about how he learned as an early deal reporter that the private markets lag the public markets. And then maybe we're going to see some pickup in some of that activity. So you and I can hit some of that later on. But Let's start with the public markets. As I'm thinking about this, here we are. It's right before noon, first trading day of the year. We know the NASDAQ closed up 43% on the year. And here we are, we're down close to 2%. We had that huge rally over the last few weeks into the end of the year here. And, and again, this is not unusual behavior. You and I talked about this last week. You get the marks and then you get folks in the first week of the year, maybe taking some profits. And they know that they have all year long after things got marked up to make back if there's going to be a little bit of give back in the first week of the year. From a sentiment standpoint, I do think it's interesting today that we have the VIX up 10%. We have crude oil that's up. We have the dollar that's up. We have yields that are up, the 10-year yield up near 4%. And we have the NASDAQ down nearly 2%. What does that all make to you? Again, I know it's a few hours of trading in the new year, but it's interesting. Exactly. It's so early on, but you said it's not unusual. I think it's also not unhealthy, right? Maybe it's healthy to see some people take some profits off. Look at these numbers over the last 12 months. They're crazy. We all know NVIDIA, right? More than tripled last year, but even just an Apple up more than 40%. And that was the worst of the lot with a Microsoft up 50% Alphabet as well. Amazon had to do a double take 80% last year. And when you talk about going back to 2021, when you started this pod, just the roller coaster we've been on with these tech stocks and how 2022 was such a hard year. And then last year, they became the defensive plays. What are they going to be this year? 
I don't know. It, it is interesting, though, that some of the like the stuff, there was a lot of stuff that three months ago, before this kind of notion of the Fed pivot and yields had come down so fast, there was a lot of stuff acting particularly bad. Like when you think about like a snap that went up 100% in the last two months of the year, things like Coinbase went up 100% the last few months of the year. There was a lot of things that there was still a bit of a COVID sort of overhang, if you will, of some of the, the stuff that got pulled forward a little bit, like a Zoom never joined the party. You know what I mean? There was definitely some interesting stuff lagging. And the point about rates being up today and stocks being down or long duration things or high valuation things, that is going to be a story that I think continues to play out over 2024 as we get a sense of just how quickly the Fed is going to cut rates and what will the reasons be for that too. You know what I mean? Because if you think about in late 2021, when the Fed pivoted and said they were going to start raising interest rates to battle inflation, we had already seen high valuation tech, SPACs, crypto, a lot of stuff like that had already been rolling over. And it wasn't until that first week of January of 2022 when large cap tech joined the party. And then it was all over. It was a very steady upper left, bottom right. You know what I mean? It was a very orderly sell off, if, if you will. And so you and I talked about it a little bit last week, D, that I felt like 2023 was the mirror opposite of 2022, which makes, in my opinion, 2024 that much harder to navigate. I think harder to navigate. But also when you look back on 2021, and I'm not talking about the mega caps, but all these sort of interest rate sensitive stocks, they went higher, but there was also this secular push for them as well. We were coming out of the pandemic and a lot of these had digital stories where they thought, I still remember that famous chart from Shopify, right? <laughs> where they said, here was the line before going up and to the right after the pandemic with the transformation, the digital transformation, it's now a lot steeper. And they said, our mistake, it's actually still intact. And that was a blip. So do these more risky names, more interest rate sensitive names get back to those levels? I, they don't have that kind of push anymore, right? I think that we've all come down and realized that the digital transformation isn't going to happen like we thought it might have happened in 2020 and 2020. 21. Now it's artificial intelligence. And who does that benefit? That benefits the Meg 7, not these smaller tech names. They're going to have a harder time participating in that. And you could argue, actually, they may not participate in it as much because the Meg 7 and these mega cap tech are going to be the beneficiaries. Much like 2021, though, and, and again, when you talk about this sort of pull forward, a lot were in the stocks, you know, like a company like Zoom continued to be profitable, right? And so, like, for instance, it was just growing into that valuation or the deceleration in growth, which brings me to one of the reasons why I think tech is getting hit so hard today. Apple is down, call it three and a half percent. It was downgraded to a sell at Barclays. They're talking about weaker than expected services growth, which is obviously on the heels of weaker than expected hardware growth. We know that the big headline, it seemed like every time Apple reported in 2023, they talked about the iOS installed base above 2 billion globally. And that was the thing that I think buoyed hopes that you're going to continue to see services growth. I look at a company right here that's expected to grow earnings, high single digits, sales, mid to low single digits, flat gross margins, trading about 28, 29 times. And you say to yourself, okay, we're in a period where China growth is really uncertain, right? That's been a huge part part of the Apple story over the last decade or so. And you say, okay, does this stock deserve to be trading at 28 times? Yeah, they got this big cash pile and the like. So to me, I just say to myself, the things that kind of got us here, Apple was up 49% in 2023. And like you said, it was the worst of the mag seven from a performance standpoint. It's obviously the largest market cap. Even if there is a broadening out in other parts of tech that might benefit from gen AI as it gets rolled out, or they commercialize some of these products and offerings, it really isn't enough to buoy the NASDAQ 
NASDAQ the way that those top 10 stocks did in 2023. It hasn't had that generative AI push behind it, yet it was still up 40% last year. So if they do something, and there's lots and lots of speculation, I don't think that they're not thinking about this whatsoever. We've talked about this in the past, how they played it cool versus like an Amazon that feels like it's overcompensating. That could be interesting. That could be a catalyst. But then remember as well that there is this DOJ case looking into Alphabet, right? And what makes up so much of Apple services revenue is that humongous, what is it, I think estimated at, or now we know something north of $10 billion that Google pays Alphabet to be the default search. That's a story that for some reason does not get a whole heck of a lot of attention when you think about that. If there was ever some sort of, I I don't know, deceleration in that or that were to go away, that is hugely high margin business for Apple within that services division. And then if that was really backed out, you'd get a sense for what the actual growth looks like based on the installed base of other services and the like. Listen, and they have issues where they're expected to grow the most. When you think about like services uptake in places like China, where folks use these super apps, and I know you and I've talked this, they're not going to have the same growth. They're not going to have the same ARPU average revenue per user that they have in the developed world or in the US or in Europe. And so like that to me is something that I think is probably underappreciated relative to the Apple story. And then the other side, like when you think about Microsoft, you think about some of the drivers, one of the reasons why this stock is trading at 30 times, very near a $3 trillion market cap, it's excitement in and around their partnership with OpenAI and their ability to monetize that tech within their productivity suites and copilot and the like. And that's not something that's going to happen a whole heck of a lot within China, right? If you think about some of the oversight that's going to be on these AI products in some of these other regions around the world, X, US, and, and Europe. And I'm just curious how you think about that, because that's something I feel like could be coming to a theory near you as we start thinking about the global adoption of these products from some of these large platform companies here in the U.S. abroad. What we've seen over the last few years is that there are big mega cap Chinese companies, right? There's Timu, there's Shein, which we've talked a lot about. There's TikTok. Before there was Tencent and Alibaba. And it feels like they figured out the formula to go global. They they had before, but not in the U.S. And I still think maybe you don't need the U.S. It's just that there's other companies working on chatbots, on their version of a chat GPT. So it's not like Microsoft is going to be unfettered when they try and sell this to the Chinese. There's going to be more competition than ever. But something we talked about, Dan, in the past is these companies realizing what a good business advertising is, whether that be Microsoft with LinkedIn. And I think Apple could be a dark horse here. They have the room and the ability to advertise. We've seen what that's done for Amazon. Perhaps that's where they make up in services as they start going deeper on ads. And did you get the email over the last few weeks that you're going to see ads in Prime? That to me was like, wow, okay, you pay for Prime as part of your Prime video. And now you don't even get a choice. You're just going to start to be served ads and you have to pay on top of it if you don't want it. So I think you're just going to see more of this. When you think about that, it bookends some of the announcements from early in 2023 by Netflix as they were going to an ad-supported model, right? So a, a, a lesser subscription price if you're willing to see ads. And I think that's going to be a huge story of 2024 when you think about you know, the proliferation of all these streaming services that were predicated on low subscription models 
models, but basically a lot of that original content where like Netflix had spent 10 years losing money do that, but the, doing that, but they were building this subscription base, which has been proven to be very sticky. And so then you saw Amazon Prime, you saw Apple's move really big into this. That at one point was really focused on this, not so much anymore. Hulu, Disney Plus, it just seemed like it was all over the place. And we ended last year with the idea that some of these Paramount and, and some of these others, they might merge because it's just not a sustainable model on its own. And so when I think about that ad supported streaming sort of model, it is interesting that Amazon ends last year by suggesting that there might be this offering, which basically for them, it's like hugely high margin, right? If they were to cannibalize a bit of their subscription business, but they increasingly grow their ad load that they have. And we talked about this a little bit. This is a 30 plus billion dollar high margin business for them. And I, I just think that's going to be a story plays out between these subscription services and ad based models. And I think they're going to find that younger audiences really don't mind these ad based models because they grew up on YouTube and the like. They've been they've been served ads. You know what I mean? Like it's us as the ones that we saw this amazing opportunity to say, OK, I'll pay 15 bucks a month and I don't have to see ads when I'm binging like slow horses or whatever the hell it is. And you can pay just not to have them. Everything old is new again. That I think what my takeaway was from 2023 as well. But you talk about the streaming landscape. What about some of the most unprofitable businesses? And that's gig economy. They discovered advertising like an Uber and a DoorDash. And it made their margins that much better. You also, advertising is such a convenient way for a company to turn themselves into a quote unquote tech company, right? Because you have that software reach and those margins and you no longer have to rely on real world inputs, which is what I found fascinating also. And there was an article in Bloomberg late last week that I thought was interesting and it dovetails with everything we're talking about here. The year that big tech remembered ads are a good business. We'll throw that in the show notes. And it was talking about how obviously Alphabet and Meta are 50% of the digital ad market, $300 billion in combined revenue. Obviously you want to throw Alphabet in there and that's probably gets you close to 90% or so. And, and I just think about this and I think about all these companies that are, to your point, starting to realize this, whether it's gig economy, whether it's these streamers and the like. And you say to yourself, we spent so much time talking about Twitter, right? And I think the year before Elon bought the company, did over $4 billion in digital ad sales last year, expected to do two and a half billion. And, and Musk has clearly said that he wants to get away from that model and move to subscription, but they haven't been able to kind of make any meaningful progress there. And some of those digital ad dollars have moved to other places for a whole host of reasons. Obviously, there was issues with a lot of Musk behavior and sort of the content and that was on X and advertisers not wanting to be there. And I don't think that changes anytime soon, especially as long as Elon is really the CEO and owns the company. But to your point about LinkedIn, LinkedIn 2024, I think there was an article in the FT last week suggesting that they could see nearly 15% growth in advertising. This is a $4 billion business in 2023. Obviously for Microsoft, this is huge. And you think about obviously their access to open AI and what they want to do with Bing, all of a sudden you say to yourself, might Microsoft Microsoft finally be in the game as it relates to digital ad space or inventory and the like. And then on the flip side, you can almost barbell it with OpenAI. I think like it's reported that they're annualizing one and a half billion dollars in revenue. A lot of that has to come from subscription. And so obviously that's on the OpenAI front. But as Microsoft integrates that more in, let's say, Bing and, and the like, they are going to be clearly a beneficiary of that. Well, that's the amazing thing about these mega cap companies is that they have several different businesses. They can they have a business that can make money on the ad side. They're building subscription businesses like Microsoft is with OpenAI and their chatbot tools. And Amazon, same story. Meta has all of these different platforms. 
I think Alphabet is still searching for that other business, but it's not even like there's that much urgency because the ad business is so lucrative. That is their golden goose, but will be interesting because that golden goose is going to be under a lot of scrutiny this year with the DOJ, with these antitrust investigations. And that's why perhaps there's going to be a bit more urgency, whether that be Waymo, Cloud, it's making strides there and it's turning profitable, but probably need to see more sustainability and seen very much as a third place laggard. So maybe there's going to be a bit of a fire under Alphabet this year to to search for that other business. Where can it get subscription money? Where can it turn if advertising comes under pressure? But for now, of course, it's this duopoly, right? Between Meta and Alphabet, what are they going to, it's estimated to have this year, about 50% of all global ad dollars. And you know, it's interesting, I'll just say this, that given the performance of Google and Alphabet and the expectations for 2024, 20% adjusted expected EPS growth on 12% sales growth, flat margins in the low 60s. And you say to yourself, this is a fairly cheap stock relative to some of the other names that we just mentioned. So again, I think they have a lot to prove, but to your point, they also have a lot of headwinds and they ended the year with that loss and that epic suit. And again, we, we spent a little time on that a few weeks ago, and that's something that I think is going to continue to play out. And, and it is interesting that it feels like every year over the last five, we start out by saying, what are some of the biggest headwinds to some of these massive US platform tech companies and it's regulatory? And it really doesn't seem to really crimp them too much. But ultimately, I think there are, as we get into this election year and we see just some of the behavior that happens on these sites, clearly expectations are for revenue growth to increase especially in and around. And it's not just here. And you made this point. There's elections globally, but we've seen a lot of these big platform companies come back to allowing political ads. It'll just be interesting to see what sort of behavior happens on them this year and what sort of lessons we've learned from 16 and 20. Hey, listeners, it's Dan here. I want to tell you about a company that I'm really excited about. It's called Current. It's a fintech company that's completely disrupting traditional banking. I'm a new Current customer. It's already helping me and my entire family manage our finances, all from one easy-to-use app. So try Current for yourself and get the app by going to current.com slash OK. That's current.com slash OK. Current is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group, member FDIC, and Cross River Bank, member FDIC. With CME Group's micro-sized futures and options, you can access the same transparency and liquidity of the benchmark contracts with less upfront financial commitment. Diversify your portfolio and manage your exposure with the flexibility of CME Group micro-contracts in crypto, metals, FX, energy, and equity indices. Learn more about what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash micros. I wonder if you think that we could see another 2022 in mega cap again, or would people just want to buy again because there's this generative AI push underpinning them? Or do you think what would have to happen to see a year like 2022 again? It has to be at the hands of some of the largest players. If you run at the NASDAQ up 40%, we know 50% of the weight is these top seven or eight names or so. And to me, I don't know how you can have an up 20% year unless you have a big correction first, because so much of the performance came so late in the year. I'm looking at like a Salesforce, okay? This stock was making six-month lows at the end of October, okay? It was below $200, and it closed the year at 263 So just do the math on that, right? The sort of performance that it had in just a two-month period or so. So like to me, higher 
highs come from lower lows. And I know that sounds really counterintuitive in a way, but if you look at the behavior of semiconductors, if you look at some of these software stocks that join the party late, it's just like you can't continue to go up in this parabolic pace without a check pack. And I say this all the time on Fast Money and people don't get it. Trees obviously grow to the sky, but they don't go up in a straight line, right? There needs to be a bit of a pullback. And when you start talking about valuations, you start talking about yields and you start talking about the sort of macro inputs that make some of these stocks attractive at sometimes and others when you don't have these huge secular moments. Also, sentiment is one of those things that you really can't put your finger on. If you think about the way the NASDAQ closed very near an all-time high, right, and, and the S&P back very near its all-time high from January 2022, it looks like a V, right? And so to get the sort of push that you need to new highs and make meaningfully new highs, you do need to have some sort of at least a consolidation or a pullback and then get this sort of ricochet action based on fundamentals, if you will. Or what, what if it's a flushing out? If we think that generative AI is a platform shift akin to the mobile shift or even the internet, the winners, the early winners were not the later winners. So maybe this is the year we see who has no clothes, who will actually be leading this race. And that's interesting to consider, except that it's been all the mega cap. I don't know that we have the pets.com today, unless you think that might be open AI, which, okay, sure, maybe it is. Maybe it's the Yahoo, not the pets.com, but the Yahoo of the generative AI era. I don't think anyone ever really thinks that though, because they've got such powerful backing with Microsoft. They've already got this huge base of enterprise customers that Microsoft can give them. So who can get flushed out here? Could it be a huge player? Is that what we're looking at? That's scary to think about. Yeah. And it's funny. You and I think about it through the lens of also market caps and valuations and how they find themselves to the public markets. And with an open AI, again, that's expected to do or is has a recurring revenue base of $1.5 billion, and they just raised money at $100 billion, you say to yourself, like, how can that come to the public markets in a way where investors who who are willing to buy stock in that or are going to be able to benefit from that. And I just don't know how that happens. We talked about Stripe a little bit in one point in 2021. They were raising money at $95 billion and that was marked down, I think, at like late 2022 or so. I mean, it was kind of cut in half. And so you just think to yourself, like, how do some of these companies grow into those valuations of public markets? That's a fantastic point. The flushing out is going to happen in the private markets, right? You do have all of these generative AI companies raising wild amounts of money at crazy valuations. We talk most often about OpenAI and Anthropic and a few others, but there's other ones, smaller ones that I look at on a daily basis. And I interview these CEOs and I think this is an interesting business model, but is it a wrapper? And maybe that's a good thing. Or are they actually building the foundational technology? How do you get the money to do that, to continue to do that? And how do you compete with sort of the giants in the room, like the Anthropic and OpenAI. So maybe that's different. And we've talked about this in the past as well, and that companies aren't as eager to go public as they were in the internet age. Or I don't know, you could see if, if the hype train continues, maybe they start to tap public markets. But after the year we had, I, I wonder if that's going to be easy. Yeah, I suspect in Q1, we are going to see a sort of eye-popping M&A transaction with one of these names. Maybe it's Anthropic, maybe it's Gohere, maybe it's some of these other ones that are smaller that haven't gotten 
some of the headlines. I'm sure there's been lots of aqua hires that have gone on over the last six months or so, um, but it, it'll be one that is a $20 billion deal for a private company trading at 50 times sales or something like that. And that will probably get people's antennas up. And again, about the IPO market, we talked about it last week. At some point, if we have a NASDAQ that is up at some point in Q1, obviously down a little bit right now, if you can't bring some of these high valuation tech deals in, in, in this environment where rates are expected to moderate, really where growth, like you keep hearing this term about Goldilocks and the like here, then I don't know when you're going to be able to bring them. And it's going to have to be tested from some companies that aren't a three or $4 billion IPO. I don't know if you can't or if it's just that the teams don't want to, right? You mentioned a Stripe and they probably could go public, but the founders, the Collison brothers, they just don't want to for whatever reason. Even a Databricks, which is an interesting company and sort of a, an AI play as well. It's worth $43 billion in the private markets. And the CEO, Ali Godsey, he has no desire to go public either. TikTok can't really. Shein, that's, I have to say, that is the IPO I'm most looking forward to in 2024. And I think it's just wild that they're even pursuing an IPO because They've been able to grow here and just capture the American consumer, but now they're going to risk an IPO and risk getting the antenna of the regulators up. That could be interesting. Could either, if they get it through, pave the way for some other interesting Chinese companies or just shut it all down. There was an article in Information this morning about Canva, the nearly a $1 billion stock sale for employees and investors. And so one of the big reasons why, obviously, companies look to exit into the public markets is to get liquidity for their employees and for some of their early investors. And so if you have folks willing to pay a high price that you think, again, might be harder to get in the public markets after a six to nine month period that you have from filing to like all the stuff that goes on. No one knows what the conditions are going to be like at some point in the future. And you have people that are willing to do it. It's not like the green light is on from last year's IPO as well in September, October, right? Like the arms and the Instacarts and the Clavios. It's not like that was a ringing endorsement of going public. They're still muddling along a little bit. They weren't just these sort of instant successes. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you and I are in agreement. The things to focus on early in 2024 is just how much some of these mega cap tech stocks pull back after such fabulous runs last year, what some of the valuation sensibilities there are for the public markets, but also the private markets continuing to see the sort of marks. And then the sort of activity that we just mentioned with Canva, might the private markets be providing an opportunity for VCs and employees to have these companies stay private for longer? All themes we're going to be focused on on OK Computer throughout this year. Debo, thanks so much for joining us. And I appreciate you being here with me today and look forward to a whole heck of a lot more of it in 2024. Same here. It'll be a good one. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. We also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com.